more little loopy loops so I'm not talking like this. I'm a little, that wore me out, I'm telling you, I ain't gonna lie. I'm 40 years old now, I got gray in my hair. Can't, it's hard to keep up with these. Always forever young, right? That's what my wife tells me, we're forever young. All these boys though, they just, ooh, and the, and the girls, and they just, aren't they awesome? Yeah, uh, I'm pitch hitting for, for Bob, so we just, uh, we speak healing over him, and I know that he will recover soon and be back in the saddle. But it's an honor to get to be with you guys, especially on Easter. Uh, I find myself very grateful for the cross this morning. I find myself very grateful uh, that Jesus rose uh, from the grave and that's what this morning is all about, about celebrating the resurrection of Christ. And, and so it's, a, it's an honor to get to, to fill in. I, you'll have to have Bob preach this message sometime to see what it really was supposed to be, but we'll give you, the, we'll give you the, the Josh version. But as we get into the message this morning, we're starting with the premise that it's a historical fact that Jesus rose from the grave. We're not going to spend a lot of time trying to lay that foundation this morning. Our starting place is that it's a historical fact that Jesus came to the earth, that he died on a cross, that he was buried, and that he rose again, that we could be saved, that we could walk in forgiveness, that we could walk in his mercy, that we could walk in a grace that empowers us uh, to make righteous choices, and that we could have access to the Father, that we could have an intimate relationship with the Father. So that's our starting place, okay? We're not going to, we believe all of that, we're just not going to spend a lot of time laying that foundation. And usually on Easter, we, we focus on and we celebrate the event of the resurrection. That's a good thing to do. But we, we often, we, we, we focus on the event of the resurrection. But the question that, that I want to ask this morning is, what does the resurrection mean for us today? And it's good to have knowledge of an event. It's good to have sound doctrine, correct theology, but practically speaking, what does the resurrection of Christ mean in our lives today? In other words, what, how does it benefit us? You know, what are the effects of the resurrection of Christ in our lives? How does it affect the way that we relate to God, that we interact with God? How does it affect the way that we interact with others? How does it empower us to affect and bring change to the world around us. We, we celebrate the, the event, but what is the impact of that event in our life? July 4th, 1776 marks the, the birth of our nation. That day represents the independence that, that we have as a nation, the, the freedom, the liberty that we have. And so every July 4th, we celebrate Independence Day. Right? We get together with friends, we watch fireworks, we eat way too much barbecue. We celebrate our freedom, we celebrate uh, the liberty, we, we give thanks for that. And while we only celebrate that day once a year, the reality of that day is represented, uh, the, the reality that that day represents is evident in our life every day. Right? In other words, every day we are walking in the freedom that that day represents. We are walking in the liberty that that day represents. We celebrate an event 
that has brought forth great freedom, and that freedom has brought impact in our life. And this morning, in a much, much, much greater way, we are celebrating an event that has brought forth great freedom that is meant to impact our lives. And so this morning, I really want to focus on the freedom that comes from the resurrection power of Christ. And so we're going to look at just three areas. I didn't say 13 or, or 27. We're just, just three, 33. We're just going to look at three areas of freedom uh, that are a direct result of the resurrection power of Christ. Does that sound like a plan? All right, let's pray. Father, we bless you. Father, we thank you that you are a good, good Father, that you love us, that you, that you care for us, that you have made a way for us, that, you, uh, that, that your affection is toward us, that you're patient with us, that you're merciful with us. We just, we just worship you this morning. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We ask that you would come, that you would penetrate our hearts. We just give you permission to speak the truth into our lives. Anywhere that we're believing a lie about who you are, would you come and would you reveal your truth? More than anything, we want to walk as a free people. We want to impact the world with your truth and your light. So we ask that you would come and speak your truth to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first freedom we're going to look at this morning is the freedom from the power of Satan, or the power of the enemy. The freedom from the power of the enemy. Christ's resurrection came to break the power of Satan over our lives. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan. Uh, I'll give you some references again. I'm pitch hitting, so I didn't have a lot of time to get them on the screen, so we'll take a, a minute so you, get, you can write those down. But uh, turn to, to 1 John 3, 8, if you have your Bibles or your phone. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. It says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. There is freedom from the power of Satan. Christ was resurrected. He, he came, He died, He was buried, and He rose again to bring freedom from the power of Satan. To destroy the works of the enemy. What are the works of the enemy? Yeah, deceit. Yeah, the Scripture says what? He, he came to kill, to steal, to destroy. That's His job description, right? It's who he is at his very core. He, 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 scripture says he's the father of lies. He's the accuser of the brethren. But Jesus came to earth and he died and he was buried and he rose again to break the power of Satan and to remove the power and the authority that Satan has in our lives. Scripture tells us that Satan has no power over you. He has no authority over you. We read this in Colossians 2.15. Colossians 2.15 And having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. 
That's really good news. Satan has no power over you. He has no authority over you. We need to realize that because of the finished work of the cross, he is defeated. This is not something that may happen in the future as long as we're good enough, as long as we say the right words and do the right thing, but he is defeated. As we stand here today, Satan is defeated. He has no authority. He has no power in your life. Do you realize that 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 saying we used to say as kids, well, the devil made me do it. It's just not true. Satan cannot make you do anything that you don't choose to do. He has no authority in your life. The only authority that he has in your life is the authority that you grant him. How do we do that? We give the enemy authority when we come into agreement with what he says. I know none of y'all have been there, but every once in a while, there's this little voice that comes and whispers, you know, you know, you're really not good enough. You you know, you're really not going to amount to anything. You might as well give up. You you know, those people, they they really don't like you and you know, they're going to turn against you. So you should probably just, you know, put up some walls, keep them out of your life. And you hear these things whispered in your ear. And we give him authority when we begin to speak out the very words that he has spoken over us. When we begin to say, you know, I, I, don't, think I'm, I don't think I'm good enough. I'm never going to make it. You know, the, these people, they don't really like me. I need, to, I need to do something about it. We begin to p- try to protect ourselves. And what we do when we come into agreement with the words of the enemy, the father of lies, the truth is we're going to be fathered by someone. Are we going to be fathered by a heavenly father that has good gifts? Or are we going to be fathered by the father of lies? What, 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 how are we going to... Uh, whose words are we going to receive and make part of our life to shape and mold who we are? And when we give into those words, we give Him authority and, and we give Him a foothold and a stronghold. And we begin to speak lies as it's the truth. But there's freedom. There's freedom because of the cross. Because Jesus came and He died and He was buried and He rose again and He broke the power of Satan. You know, sometimes we... We get this idea that, that good and evil are these two equal powers. You know, it's like the Marvel comic book movies, right? And there's the bad guys, the darkness, and there's the good guys, the light. And, and there, there's these equal forces, and they're really fighting hard against each other. And one day, well, the darkness is kind of winning, and the next day the light's winning. And, you know, we know God's going to eke it out at the end because, you know, the book says so, and we believe Him. But we, we, we kind of see it as there's this equal battle. And sometimes we give, we give Satan too much credit. We think he has the same amount of power as God. It's completely false. It's a a lie. It's the greatest deception that that Satan wants us to believe, that he has power over you and that he has power uh, over God. Darkness will never overcome the light. The very definition of darkness is simply the absence of light. When light is... When light appears, when light shines, darkness has to flee. Darkness will not overcome the light. If we were to turn out all the lights in this room and get a shoebox, and we were to capture the darkness, and then we turn the light on, and we release the darkness to overtake the light, it's kind of silly. It doesn't happen. And we think, well, that's kind of silly. But yet, in our mind, in our spiritual life, we often think, well, I can't get around. It's going it's to do something to me. It's going to overtake me. But no, greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. 
Satan does not have authority because of the cross. Because Jesus came and He died. And he, He was buried and He rose again to break the power that Satan has over us. All we have to do when Satan comes lying and deceiving, set on destroying us, what do we do? We resist him. Simply say, go away. And he has to leave. Resist the devil and he must flee from you. The second freedom that we're looking at this morning is the freedom from the power of sin. Freedom from the power of sin. Of sin. Christ's resurrection broke the power of sin. And there's two aspects that we're going to look at first is that it broke the control of sin over our lives. It broke the control of sin over our life. And I'm going to give you a scripture. I'm not going to read it because it's a little cumbersome and it's kind of long, but it's very important. It's Romans 6, 1 through 11. Write that down and I want you to you know, maybe as you're going to bed tonight, look over that. But verse 11 really sums up the whole passage. And it says, In the same way, count yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ. We are, because of the cross, we are dead to sin. We've been baptized with Christ. We've been resurrected with Christ. We are dead to sin and we are alive in Christ. The expectation for our life is not one of death. The expectation for our life is that there is life, there is goodness waiting for us. You know, we often have this expectation, well, you know, I'm a sinner saved by grace, so I'm going to sin. It's just a matter of how much this week, you know, and well, I've already started, so let's just have a go. You know, we have these expectations. And, you know, we, we, we know, well, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And what, what's, what that scripture is saying, it's not setting the expectation for our life. It's, it's talking about how we relate to one another, that we shouldn't see ourselves more highly than we, than, than we might. That we shouldn't get so focused on the, the speck in someone else's eye that we overlook the plank in our own eye, that we walk in humility. We, we, none of us are anything without the grace of God. We've all fallen short. None of us, I can guarantee you, none of us would want like the worst moments of our life to be played on the screen right now for everybody to see. I don't. We don't have that. This isn't like a game show, right? We're not, no, no we, we, we have all sinned. We would all, we, we've, just, we've all blown it numerous times. And if you haven't, I've blown it for you. Okay? So, but, but that is not our expectation for our life. We're, we don't wake up thinking, oh, please, I don't want to sin, or, oh, it's going to happen. It's bound to happen. We see the expectation of our life in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself. Christ and... Uh, through, through, excuse me, let me read you. Starting over. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Then we jump down to verse 21. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Because God came and broke the power of sin, the expectation of our life 
is that it's a pathway of righteousness. That because of the grace that is available for us, grace empowers us to make right choices. We are dead to sin. We are alive in Christ. Our expectation should be that good things are coming our way. That we, because of, because of His resurrection, we have within us the capacity to make right choices. To encourage others. To set the captives free. To heal the broken hearts. To bind the wounds of those around us. That's good news. And so the resurrection of Christ, it it broke the control of sin over our life, but it also broke the effect effect of sin in our life. It broke the, the control of sin in our life, but it also broke the effect of sin in our life. We look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What an amazing verse. What an amazing reality that we have a God that, that understands us, that understands what we go through, that understands the infirmities of our life. That word infirmities, it, it literally means lack of strength, weakness, crippling. We have a God that, that came as a man that took on flesh, that was tempted in every way that we are tempted, that He understands. And to be clear with that, infirmities, it, that is not, that's not the sin, but it's the, it's the, um, it's the inclination to sin. It, the, the weakness, the areas of weakness in our life that we struggle. We all have different things that we may struggle with more than others. Temper, guilt, discouragement. There's areas that we're just weak at. And we can be prone to sin. And, and Jesus, He understands those things. And we can come to Him. Because of the cross, we can come to Him. Just as we are. He uses the foolish things. I'm so glad He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. When we're alone, He understands what it means. When we're falsely accused, He understands. When we're hurting, when we're weary, He understands. Isaiah 53 says that He bore our griefs. He bore our sorrows. We can come to Him. One of the things that it's important for us to be reminded of, and we need to be reminded of things, don't we? We can know the truth and then forget it really quick And when we get into a situation where we need it. But it's just so important this morning that we realize that God loves us completely. His love is not like our love that's based upon, it's not a reward because you treated me a certain way. We need to realize that there is nothing that we can do to make God love us less. 
And there is nothing that we can do to make God love us more. That He loves us because He loves us because He loves us. In our, in our darkest moment, in our darkest hour, and in, in, in that, that moment in time that we're probably, we just want to keep a secret. We don't want anyone to know. It was in that time, our worst hour, that God looked down from heaven and He was filled with affection for us. And He said, I have to send my Son. I, I love the, this people so much. I have to send my Son to make a way for them to be in relationship with me. It wasn't in our best moment that, when, that we'd want to celebrate, that we'd want to tell everybody, that we would lead with in a conversation. It was in our darkest hour, in our most desperate moment, God looked down and He was filled with affection for us. And we have to understand that. We don't, our relationship with God is not based upon, you know, are we good enough? Did I behave well? If, if I don't act a certain way, that he'll, he'll pull His love back. That's earthly love. That's imperfect love. That's not who He is. There is nothing that we can do to escape the love of God. He's always chasing after us. That's good news. So no matter where we find ourselves, in our weakness, he, 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 His strength shines the greatest in our moments of weakness. We don't have to try to fix ourselves up and make ourselves pretty before we can just come. And just lay it, lay it before the Father. The third freedom that I want to look at is the freedom from the power of death. And we've touched on this a little. The freedom from the power of death. The resurrection of Christ broke the power of death. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The Spirit is, it, is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the, car, uh, the, the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And there's a big but. <laughs> I like the big buts in the Bible, right? There's this but because of His great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly places. So we're dead to sin... We are alive in Christ. And now we're told that, that because of the cross, because of the resurrection of Christ, there is a way that we are raised up, that we are seated with Him in heavenly places. We have been elevated. What, what happens when, we, when we're elevated? What, what happens to the way we see things? Yeah, you, you, get, a, you get a better perspective. You get to... You see things more clearly. You get a bigger picture of what's going on. There is a video that I was watching. Some of you may have seen it on YouTube of a, an artist that's, that's painting this picture. 
in front of an audience, and it's a, a large canvas that he has, and he's, he's painting in front of the audience, his back's to the audience, and he's just, it, it looks very abstract, you know, it's like modern, I don't know what, it, it just doesn't look very, but he's just throwing paint, and he, there's color, and he's throwing, and the music's going, and he's behind the back, and it's just different colors, and, he, and it, it just kind of looks like chaos, and you're thinking, what, what is this? And he keeps going and he adds color and, and you're like, okay, there better be something because I've, I've invested a lot into this video. And, and then he, finally he puts down the brush. You think, okay, it's done. But then he takes the canvas and he flips it over. And there's a, it reveals a, a beautiful picture of Jesus. And it's amazing because from the perspective of the audience, all they saw during this process was just chaos. It was just confusion. It was just a random series of splatterings that made no sense. But there is a perspective that if you were looking at that, the whole time it was being painted, you would see it all unfold. You would see the grand plan. You would see the design. And Jesus came and He died and He was buried and He rose again that we could be elevated and seated with the Father in heavenly places, that we could have His perspective on life. And his perspective is that he is always good. That he is working everything for our good. No matter what it looks like, no matter what's in front of us, no matter what the facts are of life that, yeah, we have to deal with, the truth is that he is good. And, and we, we need to step into that freedom so that we can begin to trust in a greater way. Because when we're looking from the perspective of the world, it's just chaos. We don't understand why the car broke. We don't understand why you know, the air conditioning went out. We don't understand these things. It just looks like it's just cramping our style majorly. But, but from heaven's perspective, the other day I, um, I, I, I was coming down to university and I... I wanted to stop at Zaxby's and get a salad. This is going to get real spiritual, okay? <laughs> I really wanted a salad, you know? I hadn't had one in a while. And, and, um, and then I, but I felt like I was supposed to go in Firehouse Subs. That's, you know, that's not bad either. I haven't had one of those in a while. But I wanted a salad, but I thought, okay, I'm going to go in Firehouse Subs. And I walk into Firehouse Subs. And again, from, from a, if I'm just being real selfish about it, that just say I'm stupid. I just miss it. But I'm, I'm trying to see, okay, well, God, what are you doing in this moment? Let me see things from your perspective. So I walk in the firehouse subs, and I'm going to order, and this young man uh, catches my attention. He's, he's helping the, the lady in front of me. And in 10 seconds, I, I looked at him, and it was just, you saw leadership all over him. I mean, I, I was just, it was like in my, my, my heart's pounded out of my chest with the reality that, that, that God has placed within him the ability to be a great leader of men. And so I ordered my sandwich. If I had it to do over again, I probably would have just done what I needed to do and then got my salad. But I, I ordered my sandwich. And then as he was handing it to me, I just said, man, I don't know you. But I just tell you, I was in here for a few seconds, and I could just see, man, you are such a strong leader. And, and there's leadership potential all over you, and you're just a good man. I just wanted to encourage you. And it's very simple, but you could just, it's just, he just lit up inside. 
See, from my perspective, I just wanted food in my stomach. But from heaven's perspective, he wanted to touch someone's life. And we have, to, we have to walk in that freedom so that we can be elevated and see things from God's perspective. Sometimes what seems like the biggest distractions to us are actually God working on our behalf. God led the children of Israel out of Egypt into a place where they were hemmed in by the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. I don't know about you, but if I've just left, you know, been in captivity, I'm all excited. We think we're winning. And then we get led to this place. I'm thinking, what What are we doing here? This is your plan? I'd be like trying to figure out ways. But God led them to that place so that he could part the sea and demonstrate, display his glory in the earth. And there's times that God will lead us. He'll put us into situations, not, not just for any old reason, but he wants to make himself known. See, for some of us, every time we step into the unknown, it becomes an opportunity for fear to set in. But what if those times where it's completely unknown were opportunities for us to pour out faith and to agree with God that His purposes would be revealed in the earth. I'll tell you a story that hopefully explains that. There's a, any, you guys heard of Graham Cook? He's a prophetic teacher. He has a lot of good things to say. and There's a story that always made me chuckle. It's a, he went to a dinner party. And he's sitting next to this young lady who had just uh, got a job offer. She accepted it. And it was in a field that she had wanted to be in, but she found herself very fearful. Very fearful because it was completely new, completely unknown. And so she's talking to, she's so afraid and just just terrified that she's talking to Graham. This is my opportunity, right? This man of God's here, so we're going to get him to pray for me and do something. And so she's talking to him, I just need your prayer, I need your prayer. And he said, okay, yeah, we'll pray. And he said, but what if... You, you weren't really terrified. You weren't really afraid. But what if you were just slightly worried because of some of the unknowns? You think that? And she thought about it. She thought to herself, hmm, you, you know what? That, that could be true. May, you know what? No, I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not afraid. I'm just, I'm just a little worried. I'm just a little concerned. Thank you. I appreciate that. And Graham's like, okay, good. And he said, but... What if you're not really worried? You know, because after all, it's, it's something that you've wanted to do. Maybe you're not really worried. Maybe there's just a little anxiety. You know, it's just, just new job jitters. You know, you're not... And she thought about that. And she, she said, you know what? You're, you're right. I, I'm really not worried. It's, it's going to be fine. But it's just a little anxiety. Okay, thank you. And go, yeah, you're welcome. And he said, but, but what if... You're not really anxious. What if there's just an anticipation? There's just this anticipation of something new, and it maybe is just slightly uncomfortable. And she said, yeah, you know what? That's, yeah. And then he said, what if you're not, you're not really, 
There's not just this anticipation you're a little uncomfortable. What if you're, the truth is you're really excited because it's a job that you wanted and, and there's all kinds of good possibilities coming your way. And you said, you know what? I think I'm excited. <laughs> In the length of a dinner party, she went from being terrified about an unknown possibility to being excited about the possibility that waits. Because the reality is that fear and faith are the, are the flip side of the same coin. They're both the possibility that something that hasn't happened is going to happen. It's the anticipation that something that has not happened yet is going to happen. Faith is the anticipation that something good is going to happen. And fear is the anticipation that something bad is going to happen. So again, what if every opportunity where there was an an unknown, rather than allowing fear to set in, the car breaks down. Man, the car breaks down. Well, there goes next week's, you know, <laughs> paycheck. I mean, we've, we've, we've become miserable for the next year because our car broke, right? But, but what if we weren't afraid? What if we realized that because Christ's death burial and resurrection has broken the spirit of death, that we've been elevated, that we can see things from God's perspective. What if we weren't afraid? What if we realized it's an opportunity for God to part the sea so that we can walk right through? We sing these songs, but they're our reality. So remember that. Whenever, whenever you, you, you're tempted to respond in fear or doubt or worry, just say to yourself, but what if, <laughs> but what if this is not a reason to fear? What if this is a reason to celebrate what God is about to do? Why don't you stand? Andrew, you mind playing a little Holy Spirit-filled music? If you're comfortable, why don't you just, just lift your hands, just, just in a position of receiving. I'm just going to pray for us.